everyone, and welcome back to Out Loud with Kaya, Elena, and Mia. In our special Halloween episode, we will be discussing Halloween and its relation to our sex lives. We're going to talk about the history of Halloween costumes and its relation to slut-shaming, in addition to spicing up our spooky sex lives with kink, bondage, and more this Halloween. Finally, we will share our absolute favorite feminist films that you should watch this Halloween. So, Yeah, absolutely. So let's jump in. So the first thing we kind of wanted to talk about is the history of Halloween. And I know Mia did a lot of research on this, so... It's like, it's a very... Halloween has so many origins in so many different parts of the world. And a lot of it's like a very dark history, obviously associated with um, spirits and all of this stuff. But um, let's talk more about the origin of the costume. Obviously, this has like pagan roots and like all of these different um, components. And like the history of Halloween is both beautiful and dark. But uh, for this specific episode, I guess we'll just kind of jump right into like more the commercialization and like how it has shifted from like... I guess being more of, like, a kid holiday to an adult holiday, yeah, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it definitely um, – so upon doing a lot of research on this, the shift really happened in, like, the 60s or 70s, which isn't that long ago, right. interestingly enough. But I guess it kind of makes, makes sense. Um, so, really, Halloween was commercialized in, like, the 40s and 50s for children's costumes and trick-or-treating and really establishing that as, like, more of, like, a... Like a family-friendly Yeah, event. yeah. A holiday for kids to get candy and just, like, have fun. Yeah, which yeah. slays. And it still, obviously, <laughs> right. is part of that, but definitely it's transitioned to a lot more of, like, drinking and wearing a sexy costume and doing all of these things, so... Right. like, bar crawls Yes. And, yeah. yeah. So, again, this really happened in the 70s um, where um, costumes and kind of like this, this, these festivities expanded into the adult market, which makes sense when we're thinking about the waves of feminism. And this definitely paralleled with um, uh, the waves going on at the time. So when, when I was looking this up, I saw that the sexy, quote unquote, Halloween costume um, can be traced to Greenwich Village in the 1970s, which is where, like, they really became popular and more um, em- empowering. Um, so Greenwich Village uh, essentially hosted a family-friendly Halloween parade, but it was also the center of um, gay culture and um, the LGBT community, uh, community during this time, and they really pushed the boundary of sexualized gender ben- um, gender. Um, binary costumes and really, like, expanded this market into something that maybe society hadn't really seen before. Um, This can also be related to uh, Castro Street in San Francisco and West Hollywood, and there were a couple different um, bigger, quote-unquote, parties that, like, this was adapted in throughout the years, but um, it really saw... um, like, the expansion of just, like, sexiness and, like, being able to, and again, like, with paralleling to the feminist waves, like, taking back that power and control. Um, Additionally, um, I guess it it makes sense that they are so popular, especially, like, in the early 2000s. Like, think about Mean Girls, too, that came out and, like, that kind of, like, embraced the the sexy, quote-unquote, slutty outfit. Um, But... I, did you know that adults spend, like, $1.4 billion on Halloween right, costumes? yeah. I honestly was a little bit shocked when I first read that, but then 
thinking about it like I know how much I have put into no yeah for real it's insane or just like group costumes like especially as a college student like you have different groups of friends and you all want to do something that's really cool and unique and you plan Mm -hmm. it forever and then you spend so much money trying to like make that happen and kids go out for Halloween and they have like one costume but adults a lot of times they go out the whole entire like Halloween weekend or potentially two weekends before Halloween depending on where it falls so like a lot of times people wear outfits for every night they're going out. No, like I'm gonna be real. I have three Halloween costumes right, right now. Yeah. Because that's like also kind of the norm sometimes. Yeah. It's like also with social media, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, I need different different right. posts. I need to yeah. look different and all these different things. Or like maybe I'm seeing a different partner on each night and you wanna right. like couple sexy. Costumes. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> couple costumes, friend costumes, like there's so many costume parties. Like even like I know like offices I've worked at have Halloween parties or you dress up at school depending on what your profession is too like yeah yeah like that you do different things for different spaces and of course like you know the different vibe Mm -hmm. it means a different costume potentially valid yeah so So, I guess that 1.4 billion makes sense yeah that's that's crazy crazy, right how much commercialization has just like they're spending so much money like it makes sense that there's like a spirit Halloween in every department I love spirit yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah um One other thing I found, too, was, like, Halloween and, like, the sexualization of these costumes also is based a little bit in, like, classism. um, Because, like, back in the days, like, um, probably, like, early 1900s, um, even after, okay, after World War II, like, when Halloween was more of, like, a children's holiday, as we previously established, adult costumes weren't like sexy like it was usually like matching the conservative atmosphere that was like in the day like um women would like historically be just like like um like a a a non-sexy maid or something like that or like or or like the men would be like just like sailors or like it was very just like standardized to the time period so it makes sense that like with the cultural shift there's been like a big change in like these costumes but I found something interesting in, like, the maid costume and, like, also how it relates to, like, classism. But, like, the sexy maid costume originated during the time that, like, maids and servants and butlers and things were, like, very prominent. Um, But maids themselves were a lot of times expected to perform, like, sexual duties on Halloween. Um, And, like, this kind of maid or, like, it definitely... Impacted. impacted the way that, like, because sexy made costumes are very popular and very, right. like, quote-unquote iconic. Like, they're so. popular even today, you know, yeah. Today and, like, without Halloween. Like, I know, yeah. like, a different tor- mm-hmm. sorts of, like, role-play. Yeah, like, lingerie. Really yeah, popular, and all that. Yeah. It's a popular one. So, I think it's interesting that this also has some, like, roots in Halloween and, like, what yeah. that looked like. Um, and just, like, how we shift culturally as society yeah. and, like, how... I mean, like, everyone knows, like, our culture is always changing Mm -hmm. and, like, pulling from what we've done in the past. So it's kind of interesting that there are still a lot of things that we're seeing that that has ties to to different time periods. Yeah. And, like, even though that the social space for, like, sexy costumes has, like, been opened up by these feminist movements and just, like, overall being more empowered and, you know, being in, like, the fucking late 2000s and things like that like it's in 2020s like it's important to acknowledge that but like we can kind of transition on how slut shaming is so prominent and so harmful yeah and I guess before we just go go towards that we also wanted to make it clear that for female costumes it's been reported that 90 to 95 percent of those costumes 
are sexy or clarified oh, to yeah. be, like, mm-hmm. considered sexy. Yeah. So, like, when we get into this slut-shaming com- conversation, we should keep that in mind that, like, what is available out there on the market and the commercialization of Halloween, like, it, it promotes women to you know, to dress this way and it creates like a social expectation. Yeah. So if 90 to 90%, 95% of our costumes that are offered that are, you know, targeted towards Mm -hmm. females who are um, adults, you know, like that, that obviously is going to play a role into what expectations are set up for women. Absolutely. And like, even for me, like every Halloween, like I love special effects. I always like win makeup contests and things like that. Like I love being like a scary bitch. Like I love that. However, as I've gotten older, like I'd say I started when I was like 16, I was like, okay, how do I incorporate being like scary and sexy at the same time, which was like kind of difficult for me because I wanted the focus to be my makeup and being a zombie and being something scary. But then I would like go to these parties and like I wouldn't feel the greatest because I'd feel like... The girl from Mean Girls. Like, yeah. I would feel like Katie and, like, I would be like, damn, I am I need to, like, step yeah. up. So, like, even, like, this Halloween, for example, like, I'm going to be Freddy Krueger and I'm going to be, like, spooky and everything. But did I also buy a mini skirt and, like, cropped the turtleneck sweater to, like, yeah. emphasize my breasts? Like, yes, I did. Because, right. like, I do feel like there is that expectation. Like, yeah. yes, I do think it's, like, empowering and fun to be sexy as well. But, like thinking about where this came from like I was probably like 16 when I was like I should probably start fitting in a little bit right and like that I mean they're pushing that onto onto kind of everyone Mm -hmm. and it's just really interesting how how that plays a role into the way that we grow up into the way that we kind of view ourselves and I mean that goes into normal societal expectations that a lot of women feel every single day that they have to be a certain way or look a certain way or dress a certain Mm -hmm. way because of what society pushes on us and what they what they target to sell to us also, which yeah. is, like, a whole other aspect that I feel like a lot of people don't talk about in context to slut-shaming on Halloween. Yeah. And that's so, I think it's super important. Exactly. And, like, slut-shaming is absolutely the scariest part of Halloween for me, of yeah. course. And, like... A lot of what we're talking about just can is is contributed by like internal and external misogyny and patriarchy and like also promotes a lot of like victim blaming for sexual assault cases, yeah. uh, especially like if you look at data from anywhere there it, there's a lot of rise in sexual assault cases mm-hmm. in October around Halloween specifically. Yeah, um, and there's a lot of factors, quote unquote, that, that like affect this and like obviously yeah. drinking and like creepy people being out late at night and Mm -hmm. shocking and things like that. But a big part of this, too, is, like, how our relationship to, like, viewing women who are wearing sexy costumes are. And regardless of anything, like, a costume, anything that we're wearing in general is no excuse for any form of anything. Yeah, it doesn't mean that anyone is consenting or asking for anything, which is, like, it honestly still kind of blows my mind that that's still happening that people really truly still think that because a woman is dressing in like a quote-unquote like sexy costume Mm -hmm. because they choose to and they're wanting to regardless of how of anything else like men just make assumptions a lot of times yeah like people make assumptions and like yeah about who they are and you know it I mean it's a shitty part of Halloween and like I mean and we go back to like 90 to 95 percent of costumes are considered sexy like that's a huge percent of of women who are feeling like they have to dress up this way but then on the other hand they're just getting shit on for it 
Exactly. Or potentially in dangerous situations because of people's assumptions that they're making. Mm-hmm. And, and what I think is also interesting, particularly around, like, the slut-shaming of women's Halloween costume is, like, it's not only historically limited to, like, cishet men putting right. them down. Like, a lot of time women also put down other yeah. women for what they're wearing or being like, oh, did you see, like, right. she's wearing that, like, oh, she was so begging for it or, like, she's desperate or something like that. Like, yeah. that is something that I've heard in college settings. And I'm yeah. like, uh. <laughs> right. Because that, can, that contributes to the same exact fucking thing. Like, yeah. it's the same misogyny. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, and we can all promote it. That's the thing. Yeah. I mean, even about yourself, mm-hmm. too. Like, you can yeah. think of, like, oh, like, why would I do this? And, like, mm-hmm. I, like, I mean, I've heard a lot of people kind of say, like, oh, like, a guy at the bar grabbed my butt, but, like, I was wearing a costume that was really revealing. So, yeah. like, well, I couldn't really do anything about it. Like, it's just, it comes with the territory, essentially. Yeah. And I've heard, like, a lot of my friends, like, be in that situation and mm-hmm. explain their frustration, but then being like, well, it was kind of my fault. I was wearing X, Y, and Z. Yeah. But, like, I mean, like, that's the reality. That's, like, what people, mm-hmm. they kind of just... They just had to deal with it because they just expect it at this point. Yeah. So and it's that weird expectation not only for ourselves, but that society puts on us. Like, is we're expected to look sexy and beautiful to facilitate this um, gender performance of right. being like feminine, but we're also expected to be not sexy enough that the men around us can't control themselves. We need to be sexy with dignity. Like, yeah. wh- what the fuck does that mean? Like. Yeah. <laughs> It just, like, puts a lot of women in a hard position, obviously. And it just, I mean, it's obviously unfair. But, like, I guess we wanted to kind of highlight today, too, how we can push back against this. Mm -hmm. And and these expectations that surround us, especially in a college setting, since since this is, like, our main audience and we're all, you know, experiencing this in real time. Yeah, and I, I think it's cool, too, that, like, just to acknowledge that, you know, nothing is to be gained by shaming women. Like, what are you gaining? Like, really, what what are you gaining? And um, not only is it harmful for women, like, any person that's being shamed, but also just, like, um, contributing to that stigma of sexual assault and that whole yeah. narrative is, like, really harmful. But I think it's just, like... The moral of the story is, like, let people be people. And, like, a lot of people dress up for this this aspect of escapism or, like, to feel empowered or just because they fucking feel like it. And that's totally fine. Um, or expressing their sexuality or, or or something or expressing something that's really interesting yeah. to them um, through fashion. Um, or even just because they, like, want to feel sexy, which yeah, is, like, yeah, totally valid. Yeah. Like, that if that's your goal, then, like, you should be able to do that and you should be able to do that without any repercussions or without feeling shitty about yourself or without someone like doing something to you without your consent the whole point of this episode really is like we can celebrate halloween in a great fun safe way and we could do that without being sexist like yeah we can also do it you know when we're being sexy Mm quote-unquote or wearing sexy costumes but also like i think it's important to realize and to just to talk about too that like because of such a high percentage of costumes being targeted towards women just being sexy like inherently like we don't have to fit into that role either like I feel like if you're someone who doesn't want to dress up in a sexy costume or something that's super revealing but you feel pressured to because like everyone else your age is doing that and Mm -hmm. that's what you see like we don't have to play into that like if you want to be 
something else like you 100% should be so I think both sides like people should just be able to be whatever they want if they're celebrating Halloween and in whatever way they're celebrating and and feel empowered in whatever they're dressing up as and and having fun because like that's the point of it that's that's why we're all you know dressing up and spending so much Mm -hmm. money on costumes to, to have fun to like hang out with our friends and I think we should remember that that's like what it's about yeah and that's on period. Yeah. Oh, also just, like, in terms of costumes, I feel like, as a general statement, like, in addition to, like, slut-shaming and judging people's costumes, like, we could also maybe, like, choose to move past cultural appropriation of costumes yeah. as well. Like, let's not do that as a right. general thing. Like, people's identities aren't not a costume. Costumes, yeah, right. at like, all. Like, regardless of what it is, it, it's honestly... I do think we should just, like, establish that there, like, there's a fine line between, like, dressing up as, like, a sexy costume and then, like, dressing up as a sexy version of someone's identity, which can be super harmful. That also kind of plays into, like, the fact that people don't even think that they're being harmful because, like, it's being sold and they're like, oh, like, whatever, like, everyone is doing it. No one actually cares that much, which, I mean, like, could be someone's perspective, but at the end of the day, like, we are, you know, promoting, like, if you're dressing up like that, like, it's promoting like potentially racism and yeah, cultural provision. Yeah, yeah. Like, and it's not fun to, for have, anyone, to yeah. have an identity and to have someone else dressing up as that identity for a costume that they can just like yeah. throw on and think that it's funny or yeah. whatever for one night. I mean, yeah. it's just like really distasteful and, and horrible. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. now that we've kind of touched on costumes, Um, I know, like, Halloween is especially the time to get a little bit freaky, so, um, we kind of want to talk about, like, ways that we can spice up our sex lives, potentially, like, within the theme of Halloween, if we want to do something, like, spooky, if we want to do something a little out of the quote-unquote, uh, normative script, um, which would be great, so, like, we could could touch on a couple things, so, um, how do you like to spice up your Halloween? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of different options out there, I think one of the first ones we kind of wanted to touch on is bondage which can be really fun Mm -hmm. um it can also be really simple I think before we kind of get into all of these things like all of these things can maybe seem a little I think overwhelming to someone who potentially has never participated in any of these types of play and it kind of seems just like oh my gosh like I don't know how to get into this or I feel weird getting into this or if I have to get into this or I want to get into this like it has to be like it has to be like all the way at the top like the, mm-hmm. like but i think it's important to remember that if you're just getting into this kind of play like you're a beginner and that's okay and that we can take small steps to try to spice up our sex life so that's what we're wanting um and to make smaller steps because like we you know we don't want to really be completely out of our comfort zone yeah, and engaging yeah. in play that we're not you know okay with and happy about and uncomfortable with so like there are small tinier things that we can do to engage in these plays to kind of just get started for sure absolutely and if you've been listening to us for a while you know we always 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 stress communication and like especially for the just the things that we're touching on today when we're talking about bondage and kink and all of these different things um it's just important to keep that in mind at the core is communication and consent uh our our favorite c's right um (laughs) so yeah, so with bondage, like uh, like I said, like this could be simple, elaborate, like mm-hmm. um restraints can be really um incorporated in like yeah. many many different ways. And there's so many different kinds yeah. out there. Like I think a lot of people start out with you know, like just handcuffs. Take, uh, yeah. Starting out or like simple rope ties. 
Um, I know there are so many different restraints out there that mm-hmm. you can just purchase. Um, a lot of them are pretty reasonably priced, too, Yeah, yeah. if you're just wanting to kind of get started. Um, I know for, like, ease, there's a lot of ones that, like, attach to beds. There's a lot yep. of ones that, like, are, you know, you can put them under your bed, so it's kind of like a grab-and-go type system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there are so many different, like, routes to go when it comes to bondage, and you can, like, really just start off with, like, the simplest thing and, and yeah. kind of work your way up, but... Bondage is really, like, DIY-friendly. Yes. Like, there's, like, a tape exists, too. Yes. Like, tape is, like, mm-hmm. can be used a lot. Um, tape could also be used for, like, restricting, like, our vocal, like, Abil- um, yeah. abilities. Um, also, um, in regards to restraints, if, like, that's something that um, we're going for and we're kind of looking for, like, maybe a shift in power dynamic or something mm-hmm. like that in the bedroom um, could be really fun. Uh, additionally, um with all of these things, and I feel like we mention this um, sometimes when we talk about, like, pleasure, but, like, really utilizing, like, our senses and how some of these things can be used to, like, heighten our senses or, like, restricting sight isn't necessarily, like, a part of, like, restraints, but, like, right. still a part of BDSM and yeah. kink. Um, but, like, how we can use our senses to either, like, heighten them or restrict them to make a more pleasurable experience for us, especially, mm-hmm. like, on Halloween um, could be fun, like, you know, maybe, like, a blindfold would be something new and different. Yeah. Um, stuff like that. So, there's, we are talking about bondage is such an umbrella term right now, yeah. and we'll, we'll definitely get into this in, like, a later episode, but just, like, introducing the topic mm-hmm. of, like, one, it could be really simple for y'all to get into and for us Absolutely. to get into if we, I mean, if we so choose. And we can really be creative with this, yeah. too. Like, you can, like, do a quick search online. Like, we don't have to be spending a lot of money to engage in this kind of play, which is, like, really great. Like, mm-hmm. I know... Um, when Sex Out Loud does programs, like, they bring up, like, different household materials that you could use, like, Mm -hmm. um, ties or, Mm -hmm. like, um, the ties that go around robes are often, like, really smooth and, like, cushy, Mm -hmm. so, like, it doesn't really hurt you and it doesn't irritate your skin when it's on you, which is something to always kind of look for if you're using, like, a DIY-type material to use Mm -hmm. when we're restraining folks um, to make sure that it's not, like, harming our skin, but, like, those are really great examples of how to start with just stuff a lot of times people just have in their house Mm -hmm. um but yeah i think i think that's Mm -hmm. a good intro and i think the next one we kind of wanted to touch on is erotica erotica is so great especially (laughs) like if we're potentially spending halloween by ourselves even Mm -hmm. and like obviously we can incorporate erotica like with uh partners or you know like that's also fine but like um when talking about erotica like there are so many really great halloween romance like uh, specifically like in the vampire category like there's so much okay and i'm not talking about twilight people like i'm talking <laughs> about like some like deep shit like I guess twilight out there for the girls i guess who yeah like i guess you just spend your halloween <laughs> reading twilight that's it's valid um but something i also wanted to bring up was audio porn i think that um yes. could definitely be a different way especially for like halloween because i feel like it's it's kind of like this sensual someone's like in your ear potentially you have those airpods like noise canceling yes you're very immersed in the situation and i bring this up for halloween because usually like with audio porn we're not relying on like our visuals um all the time so i think that that can be really fun and like especially if we like light some candles we're in the dark and we're listening to some audio porn like excellent excellent experience 11 out of 10 recommend um i mean i think it's also like very it's not 
new. Like, it's not something that just popped up. Yeah. But I also know that it's kind of, like, more normalized a little bit yeah. recently with, like, different people who are out there creating audio porn mm-hmm. um, and different, like, sites that are creating audio porn. But it's just, like, a new way to engage in um, porn and erotica that's, like, I think fresh for a lot of people. Like, we all know about, like, you know, porn, obviously, and, like, Pornhub's, like, a really huge one out there that, like, a lot of people, you know, engage in mm-hmm. and masturbation with with the reference to Pornhub, and we've kind of talked about the negative aspects of porn yeah. on the podcast before, but, like, moving past that, like, a lot of people aren't familiar with audio porn or have never experienced it, have never heard of it, don't even know that it's an option. I've heard, like, a lot of people have, like, literally never heard of it. Yeah. When I'm, like, talking to them about, you know, different resources or ways that they can incorporate different types of erotica into their into their sex lives and I think it's just like fun and cool like even if it's not something that you're into like it it's something to try like yeah it's, it's just like super different it's a really weird experience yeah. like when you try something new for the first time like it's just so like it's different compared yeah. to other erotica so like if you haven't mm-hmm. found something that's for you maybe try audio porn yeah maybe, maybe that's no, valid and we can um uh, if folks are interested, we could definitely, like, have an episode where we, like, give our recommendations and stuff like that mm-hmm. on, like, our favorite resources. But realistically, um, Halloween-related and or uh, specific, like, erotica is really easy to find mm-hmm. via Google. So, yeah. like, fi- even, like, audio porn is, like, really pretty easy to find. Yeah. Um, and there are so many romance books out there, like, touching back on the book aspect. Yeah. Like, that's kind of, like, what people think of when they think about erotica, I yeah. think. So there are, of <laughs> Wattpad course, exists. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, we were all, like, Wattpad teens. Smut. We, yeah. We grew up in that We era. really did. <laughs> Wattpad teens make sex podcasts. <laughs> um... Okay, so then <laughs> we also another really fun way to spice up our sex lives on Halloween, uh, potentially with partner, uh, partner or partners, is role play. Yeah, role play can be super fun on Halloween because costumes, hello, yeah, like you already have three of them. Yes, <laughs> like, so they're just there waiting for you. But yeah. I think again, like costumes in general, especially during Halloween, like I think are already there. We already have access to them a lot of times, and it's such an easy way to incorporate different costumes into sex play mm-hmm. like I mean of course lingerie also can really heighten yeah heighten everything in that moment too mm-hmm. like dressing up a little sexier for our partner partners or even just for ourselves for yeah. masturbation mm-hmm. too like I think when we think about role play or costumes or anything like lingerie in relation to sex we're always thinking about it with partnered play which is like 100% valid obviously like that's the main component but also mm-hmm. just for yourself like it can be sexy to dress up yeah. When you're engaging in, like, solo play yeah. to be just, like, you know, really empowering. Yeah. Get you in the mood. Um, But going back to partnered play, like, it's just, it's an easy way to switch things up mm-hmm. and to, you know, start easy, too. Like, I know we talked about maid costumes. Like, that's a pretty popular one. Mm-hmm. Like, schoolgirl outfits. Like, yeah. those are probably, uh, like, popular, two... like, power dynamic outfits yes. are, like, very big, especially, right. like, on Halloween. A hundred percent. So, like, those are some pretty common ones. And... You can you can get them relatively cheap too, yeah. um, and it's just like a really easy way to to introduce role play because of course just like every other type of play like it can get really extensive and like yeah. you can be really into it with characters and settings and yeah. expectations and s- different scripts but like just dressing up like something can be like a really easy way to get into that if you're if you've never tried it mm-hmm. with your partner or your partners. And I will say, too, like, a lot of, for, for roleplay specifically, like, a lot of 
costumes that are, like, tailored towards role play are more expensive than, like, potentially the costumes, like, on their own. Yeah. And I'm not a fast fashion promoter. However, there are certain, like, fast fashion websites that, like, have just, like, the little costumes, mm-hmm. like, for, like, $7 that you can use and role play. Like, I think yeah. people forget that, like, regular costumes or regular things yeah. that they own can be utilized in that specific scene. And just, like, be wary because, like, there are certain sites that, like, are tailored towards roleplay. And obviously, like, if we're getting more comfortable and want to, like, really be immersed into whatever scene we're doing, we can, like, consider doing that. But if we're just getting started, like, it's totally okay yeah. to, like, I don't know, thrift store even. Like, a Rackstock has, like, yeah. costumes. And there are so many different options out there. You can really just, like, DIY it for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we love that. We love DIY. Um, And then the... My, this one is, like, one of my favorites, uh, yeah. specifically for <laughs> Halloween, because yeah. I, I, like, never do it unless it's October. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why, but it's just, it is. It, it is what it is. But uh, food play. Mm-hmm. Food play can be so sexy, specifically if we're using, like, like uh, around the Halloween season, like, sweets <laughs> and, and treats, treats you know? Treats. <laughs> like, all of that's happening. So, like, a little melted chocolate moment mm. is... Never frowned upon for me. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> um, and I know a lot of folks... Um, so food play can be really also easy to engage in, especially if we're interested in spicing things up on a budget. Um, get some, like, Nestle uh, <laughs> milk chocolate does microwave yeah. them for a little bit. Boom, you have something you can use for uh, food play. Right. And... Um, I know that we we can put these on different parts of our bodies that we want to be licked or sucked or, or touched in in some way. Um, I also um, I like to use like dental dams or things like that for like potentially easier cleanup. Mm-hmm. Um, if folks are interested in that, but there's there's a lot of different uh, ways to incorporate food into our sex lives. Yeah, and this can even like, definitely uh, contribute to the next uh, point that, the next and final point we want to make, which is, like, temperature play, because, like, by melting chocolate or caramel um, can be, like, we can play around with those different temperatures as Mm -hmm. well, which can be a different sensation. I've also, I think a big one I've heard, too, is, like, different citrus for, like, cold temperatures, um, which also has, like, some taste in there, like, to um, kind of put it on different parts and, like, have a partner try to find where mm-hmm. you rub the citrus on you can be, mm-hmm. like, a fun little game yeah. that includes food. Um, and then, like, similar to, temp- I guess, more going into temperature play, like, ice cubes can be a really yeah. fun thing because, like, obviously it's just water, so it's, like, super easy cleanup, if any. And you can get ice cubes. Obviously, they're really accessible. Yeah. And... You can use those to, you know, put on your partner in different areas and different erogenous zones to mm-hmm. kind of spice things up as well. So, yeah. So uh, our a point lot out is, there. yeah, we could do we could do a lot this Halloween yes. um, in the spirit of yes. spooky. Um. So yeah, after spicing up our sex lives, maybe we could like watch a movie with ourselves <laughs> or our partners. So we're gonna we're gonna kind of share some of our favorite. Um, like feminist horror films, mm-hmm. um, and the the three that we'll talk about all make a really interesting commentary on sexual assault and uh, rape culture, and are really empowering for our main characters. And uh, they're my favorites in general because I I love horror movies, but mm-hmm. I also really 
enjoy the dialogue that they promote, especially for being like early kind of two thousands movies. Like they they start conversations that weren't really talked about. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the first one would be Jennifer's Body. I give this an eight out of ten. Um. I do love Jennifer's Body. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a really solid film, especially like it's what most people think of. When they think about, like, any sort of feminist horror movie, spooky movie, like, yeah. this is always the one that most people have at least seen. Um, but, it, like, it's for a good reason, I think. Like, yeah. it's a pretty solid movie. <laughs> yeah. And for my Megan Fox lovers, you'll be you'll love this movie. Uh, it's essentially about um, two best friends that are really different, and one of them kind of becomes this cannibalistic, vampiristic um, goddess yeah. <laughs> that... Uh, um, feeds on <coughs> terrible men, essentially. Yeah, right. Is is what I mean, the like whole thing is. Very simple. Yeah, and it's it's funny. It's cute. It's powerful. I yeah. think it's it's a it's a good one. Yeah. Would you rate it? I'd probably rate it like an eight point five out of ten. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I like it. Why I love me? it. Why don't you? Okay. <laughs> and the next one we'll mention is it follows. Whoop, whoop. So I feel like honestly. A lot of people haven't seen this movie. Which is shocking to me. It's it on is. Netflix. Like, it is. Or it might not be right now, but usually it, it is. It usually is. Like, it's it's been on and off. But I have watched this movie so many times. Mm-hmm. In we different, watched it together. We did watch it together, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've watched it with you, honestly, two times. I agree. Somehow. <laughs> but, like, it's a really interesting movie. So, without, like, spoiling too much, it's about, I guess, some sort of entity that... that essentially haunts folks who have sex with a person potentially who was haunted by that said entity yeah and it, so it's and like it a little sti right. <laughs> so it moves like an sti so when one person is being haunted they have to in, engage in sexual intercourse with another person to pass it along essentially mm-hmm. and it haunts them and and it, i mean that's that's pretty much it it's, it's yeah. very simple but it's also like really it's a really interesting movie it's very like a psychological thriller also. Like, yeah. And it, it 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 promotes really interesting questions about like consent as well because like the whole thing is like the, the do you tell the other person that you have a demon? Like right. is like the whole kind of thing which is just interesting yeah. to see and, and in a like, horror context. Right. And like relates back to STIs, of course. Like there it, it, mm-hmm. it I mean it, it mirrors that in a, in a similar way, but I mean, it was just a really unique movie, yeah. and I know, too, something strange about the movie that I didn't notice at first when I first watched it is the the level of of differences in terms of time and date in the movie. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's kind of very unclear where it takes place, yeah. which also adds to the spookiness. Like, mm-hmm. the cell phones that are used yeah. are, like, they seem Super so weird. Old. They yeah. seem really, really old. But then there's, like, other elements that, like, make it seem like it's in a super, like, modern time. Yeah. D- based on uh, simply just, like, electronic devices. Yeah. And it, it's just, like, the clothing items and, like, different aspects of the way they shot the film and what they included to be in the film, like, also kind of add to the eeriness because you're just, like, not really sure where it's taking place and, like, the time and... Like it's 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 like a spooky movie. It's really fun. It's a it's a really different movie. Like I've honestly never seen anything like it. I agree, and I think that's one of like of the three that we talk about, like the scariest one. Just yeah. like that one kind of irks me sometimes. It's spooky. <laughs> yeah, I'd rate that one a nine out of ten. I agree. Yeah, yeah. it was a good one. And the final movie we're gonna talk about, which is is very known for being iconic in kind of like a silly way, but like is so good in terms of like 
the statement that it makes. Um, so we're going to be talking about teeth. Um, teeth is phenomenal and not necessarily cinematically, but <laughs> in terms of like the content. Yeah. Another very unique movie that I don't think could be replicated. <laughs> um, so for those who are unfamiliar, a lot of people either have seen clips of teeth or like, and I will say that this is like a very graphic movie. It's extremely graphic. But um, teeth essentially follows um, this girl who um, is sexually assaulted and following that, um, her vagina just becomes like this, this powerful tool, I will say, <laughs> yeah. um, that has teeth um, that she can use um, to harm terrible men, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, so another great movie, super interesting a lot of people get the giggles from it because it can it's just a little like ridiculous, ridiculous <laughs> for sure but I really yeah. like this movie because of the way that it addresses sexual assault and the the ending is very climactic and very impressive um so uh yeah it's a, it's a really great film for me yeah I agree I haven't seen it in a while, and I honestly, after this episode, like, I might, I might do a quick rewatch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Um, that one's like a ten out of ten for me, simply because <laughs> I love teeth. Yeah, <laughs> I love teeth. Valid, fair. Okay. Um, so yeah, like if you if you're interested in spooky movies and you haven't seen these, or maybe if you have, like maybe go give them a quick a quick watch. I yeah, think that it'd be a great addition to the spooky time. Yeah. Um, so, so after, you, after you've picked your costume, um, and then after we've affirmed ourselves and, and slut shaming on Halloween, um, spice up our sex lives and spice up our sex lives with bondage, erotica, role play, food play, or temperature play, um, and then watch a really great movie, <laughs> we can potentially end our nights with engaging in a little bit of kink. Yeah. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about, like, specifically bondage, kink, consent, a safe word. This is also a very, because this is just, like, a segment of the episode, this is mm -hmm. not, like, a comprehensive kink guide Right, at all. absolutely. Not. And we, we're planning on having an episode more dedicated to all of the different uh, components of kink, but mm -hmm. for your Halloween, we'll tell you what you need to know. Absolutely. So, again, you know us, like, consent is key. Consent is the first thing we need to do along with communication. Um, so, a really, really important aspect of kink is a safe word. I feel like a lot of people have heard of, of safe words before, but we, we kind of wanted to talk about what is a safe word that is a good one and what, what's kind of a not-so-good one. Mm -hmm. um, so, for anyone who doesn't know, a safe word is a previously established word that indicates the scene or the activity must immediately stop. Um, and this can be in, in any sexual situation. It doesn't necessarily have to be kink. Like, we can, of course, have safe words for any play that we're engaging in. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's a really important thing to talk about with our sexual partner or partners. Um, but I think when we think of good ones and bad ones, like, a bad one might be someone's the name that you always call them, or maybe something... Like chair, something in the room. Right, something in the room, something that would maybe be a little confusing that if you did say it out loud, it wouldn't be like a clear-cut, like, stop, this is, the situation is over, I'm not having a good time, or I'm not feeling safe in the situation. Like, we're not wanting to do something like that. We're also not going to want to do something, like, completely crazy and off the wall that we'll forget, because potentially when we're in a situation where we're, like, not having a good time, we're not feeling safe in that situation... 
um, we're wanting that situation to stop, like we might have just like with the adrenaline in our body, maybe we're feeling unsafe. We might not be able to remember that word. Yeah. So then it's like, how do I communicate that with my partner? Cause like, oh fuck, like I forgot my safe word. Yeah. And like, that's obviously a horrible situation to be in. So we're wanting to use one that's not going to just be a common word that you could accidentally say or say in a sexual context, but also not one that is too good that you're going to forget mm-hmm. or like too crazy that you're just not going to remember it. Um, so some people like to say like pineapple, like it's going to be pretty rare, but there's just like a pineapple in the room unless, unless that's, that's your, that's <laughs> unless that's your Bob, thing. Perhaps. perhaps, perhaps that's a good one. I know some people, which is like, this one's kind of debatable, um, but like your partner's full name or your own full name, because I feel like a lot of times like. Oh, your you, own full name's right. Good. So like, yeah. I would never say like my full like my name, my middle name, my last name. Like in that sort of context, like yeah. you would never say that, especially yeah. for folks who have like nicknames or like only call their partner like babe or themselves. Yeah. Like in a certain way, like I I've heard people like using that because you can't forget your name and like not just like your first name, but like literally your entire name. Yeah. No, that's a good one. Um, I've heard a lot of different things, but like I don't know, pineapples. Um, bikini, which is like really weird. I'm like on this beach theme, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. like different <laughs> sorts of like fruits and vegetables. Yeah. Um, valid. Valid. Yeah. I mean, maybe I, unless you're like a farmer, I don't know. Maybe you talk about that on a daily basis. <laughs> but like, just like funky words. Any, honestly, anything. Honestly, funky could be a good one. <laughs> yeah. But there are lots out there depending on who you are. And your relationship with that person, like, but at the end of the day, like, developing a safe word that's going to be good for you and your partner, something that you can remember is key. Mm -hmm. And I also think that, like, in terms of, like, safe words, um, some folks may not want to stop, like, immediately or, like, um... So a lot of people like to incorporate, like, check-in systems. So, like, at Sex Out Loud, we love to use, like, a stoplight system, which could be pretty indicative of how we're feeling at the moment. Um, So, like, a green light is, like, yes, love this, keep going. Yellow light is, like, okay, maybe we should slow down or take a break or something. And red is stop immediately. Um, But, again, like, these things change um, with everyone. So a lot of these things should be, like, previously established. Um, Again, part of communication and consent. Um, I know, like, caution, slow down, or, like, I'm almost at my breaking point. And, like, we can incorporate these into, like, um, in a way in which that, like, doesn't necessarily disrupt, quote-unquote, like, the whole scene, but can, like, be a moment for us to check in with ourselves and our partner. So uh, we like to acknowledge that safe words and safe, also safe signals can mm-hmm. be also important, especially yeah, so if, true. We're, if we're, like, using, like, gags or our... our vocal ability is like restricted because of something that we're doing in regards to kink or just Mm -hmm. in general um so we want to make sure that we're also potentially have like a safe signal um that's something that's really easily identifiable um like an arm squeeze or like Mm -hmm. if we're fully restricted like a certain blinking pattern like there's a lot of different things but just making sure that we're on the same page is probably the most important thing yeah um but yeah i think we've thrown around this word a lot um about kink and what that includes, but, like, I, I'm not sure a lot of people know what kink yeah. really is. Right, so what is kink? So, I think it, of course, depends on who you ask, but, like, in general, it's going to be a set of practices that are incorporated into any sort of sexual play or intimacy um, that are considered to be outside of a conventional sexual script. Mm-hmm. So, we've talked about sexual scripts before, I think, a couple episodes ago, um, but essentially a sexual script is just, like, 
what society kind of deems as like normative, the, the, yeah. right? The order of of sex and like what kind of is involved in that and how how wh- how it goes, the order of like operation. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but kink is something that's outside of a sexual script. That's that's the norm, um, and it can be really anything. Like it it, it really varies. So, I guess. They're, again, unique to the individual. Everyone doesn't have the same kinks. People are not into kinks at all. Some people are super into kinks. And just because you would consider yourself, like, a kinky person or you engage in any sort of kink play, it doesn't mean that you like all kink play. Yeah. Like, there are so many different individual things about kink. And at at the end of the day, like, it's so unique and individual to each person. Yeah. And I feel like we should distinguish between, like, fetish and kink as well. Because sometimes I hear these words interchangeably and, like, they aren't interchangeable. Right. Um, so, like, let's talk a little bit about the difference between a fetish and kink. Um, and, like, I think one has more of, like, a quote-unquote negative connotation than the other. But, like, neither should. They're just, like, different variations of, like, kink. So, a fetish is under the umbrella of kink, but just more particular. So, a fetish can be considered, like, a fixation on a particular item, um, needed or, like, encouraged for sexual arousal so like this could be like a body part so I know like we we hear a lot of like feet like feet foot fetish Mm -hmm. and things like that and like that's common but like it it could be really anything like there's hands like Mm -hmm. a certain size of a body part like um small hands or something like that um or it could also be an object like panties like there's stories about gnomes like all of these things are like valid yeah, like literally like, anything even like material like you see a lot of leather material and like a lot of people have kinks for that and stuff because right. it can be um yeah um, and I think pleasing yeah like the difference with fetish like it, it of course it can be so many different things because everyone again is individual um but essentially it's like a fixation and a need for that mm-hmm. to get sexual release yeah um I also think that like Honestly, someone, if it's out there, like, someone is into it, actually, yeah. which yeah. is, like, a rule that I've kind of just, like, gone by. Like, if it exists, yeah. someone's into it. Yeah. Like, it, that's just how it goes. But I think it is important to, like, distinguish the difference, of course, because we, again, like, fetish is not, fetish and kink, like, aren't interchangeable. Yeah. And, like, BDSM is also used kind of interchangeably with kink as well, yeah. which, like, makes sense, but, mm-hmm. like, let's let's maybe define BDSM, because I know a lot of people use it, especially, like, post Fifty Shades of Grey, everyone, like, yeah, thinks about BDSM is, like, probably, like, tying, choking, and, like, yeah, power dynamic, but, like, let's talk about, like, what it really means. Right, so, so BDSM, it, it does stand for something, it's an acronym, so... B is for bondage, which we've kind of already talked about. So it's the use of restraints. Um, D for discipline, so punishment or threat of punishment. Um, There are actually two Ds and two Ss. So the second one would be dominant. So exerting some sort of power or control, um, commanding in a sexual experience. Um, S for submission. So receiving and complying to commands or um, feeling under, like, under power or under control. Um... S for sadism, so enjoying administering pain, um, humiliation or commands, and then M for masochism, so like enjoying that pain or receiving that humiliation or commands. Yeah, and I I know that like once when some people who may not have like experience with BDSM hear some of those definitions are like, oh my gosh, like why would be why <laughs> right. would someone want to do that? Why would someone be interested in that? But like reality of the situation is kink and BDSM are so common 
Um, and like, and, and there's, it's, it's a spectrum. Like it really can range from like, I like to sometimes be choked to like, I love having like, um, this sort of like submissive, I like having a contract, you know, mm-hmm. like it could really range and it all depends on personal preference, but like right. the reality of the situation is, and especially why like kink shaming is so bad and same thing with BDSM is because there's a lot of like emotional, spiritual and physical release and benefits from engaging in kink play or BDSM. Um, yeah, specifically because like pain and pleasure are registered so closely in our brains that like sexual arousal can be more pleasurable and sexual arousal can also increase our pain tolerance. So like Mm -hmm. it can make these experiences more like tolerable. Right. Um, I think it can also like different types of, of pain can potentially too like lead to, um, more blood surfacing on mm-hmm. our skin. So, like, if we yeah. like being, like... Impact um, play. Right, yeah. impact play, like, slapping, whether it's, like, with hands or um, paddles or whips or, like, different um, riding crops. Like, all of those things, like, once it hits the skin, the impact causes blood to rise to the, mm-hmm. t- rise to the surface. So, that automatically just increases the sensitivity in that area too so like there are so many reasons why pain potentially could be adding more pleasure or making our body like more susceptible to Mm -hmm. positive pleasurable experiences yeah and like uh there have been studies that show too that like it fills this innate desire for adventure seeking new experiences and novelty so like a lot of people when they say like i want to space out my sex life like kink is one of the first things that is like mentioned just because like it is um, outside of that normative script that we talked about earlier. So it, it's, it can be really exciting. Um, additional reasons why it could be exciting is because, like, with kink particularly, we can engage in, like, role reversals or, like, um, so, like, we may be used to giving orders all day at work. You, previous chair of Sex Out Loud, like, <laughs> um, maybe giving orders all day and may find it, like, relaxing to get bossed around once in a while or something mm-hmm. like that. Or even just, like, establishing additional roles that we may want to take on or something like that. So it it could just, like, be fun to play around and take on pretend roles or, like, giving up power or taking power. Giving up power power is weird because, like, both... All people who are involved in kink have to give up some sort of power to, like, fulfill that scene and to essentially, like, engage in it because there there is this level of like vulnerability Mm -hmm. which is also why kink is really great in intimacy building yeah because it requires so much trust and like not only yourself but also um whoever we're engaging with so vulnerability can be really risky like on top of like the risks associated with kink and bdsm depending on what we're doing but um it can be really rewarding too especially if done correctly yeah absolutely and i think also like going to vulnerability like That's why, like, especially with kink and BDSM, any sort of play that would fall under those umbrellas, it's super, super important to communicate. And I know we talk about communication all the time. And at the end of the day, like, a lot of people aren't engaging in those conversations. And and that's reality. Like, we completely understand there are a lot of different components. But, like, with BDSM and kink play, like, it's super important to have consent and to talk about the experiences and how you're feeling and how your partner partners are feeling and expectations um, and of course, boundaries, because like some of this play can potentially be dangerous or harmful yeah. emotionally, physically. And we're wanting our boundaries out there. We're wanting to have a good time. People who are engaging in this play, like consent is 
necessary. It's needed. It's like the most important. And I think a lot of people have like the wrong ideas too Absolutely. about BDSM and folks that are like within the BDSM culture and community. And like they just think like, oh, it's horrible and these people are doing bad things and like whatever. Like it's just like people in society and normal society don't really understand why they're doing it. But at the end of the day, like these are the folks who, if they're doing it, like, ethically, mm-hmm. are involved in, like, the highest levels of communication. Yeah, there's there's even, yeah. like, consent models that Absolutely. are used. Like, RAC is yeah. risk-aware um, consensual kink is used specifically in the kink community. And they've uh, this community has developed different um, tactics and ways to ensure that everyone involved is participating safely mm-hmm. and is having a great time, which is, like, more than I can say for, like... A lot of people. A lot of people. Um, yeah. Specifically, like, younger people who are just, like, engaging in, you know, quote, regular sex or whatever, but, like, not having these conversations, yeah. which can be just as harmful. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, I think a lot, like, a lot of times, like, we just assume that it's going to be harmful emotionally or physically with BDSM, but, like, I've seen, like, firsthand, like, a lot of people have more emotional distress in a, quote-unquote, like, normal yeah. sexual script and, like, feeling shitty and feeling like they were taken advantage of than and any sort of, like, kink play. Yeah. Which is, like, I mean, like, again, like, communication, of course, is just, we stress this all the time, but especially with this. And the BDSM community has, I feel like, has, you know, been really well known for how much they they push people in their community to to value communication and consent and and boundaries. So I think that's really important to clarify, too, when we're having these conversations. Yeah, they slay. They really do. (laughs) True. Um... So as we wrap up, we can also just touch on aftercare really quickly. Um, aftercare is like any form of physical um, or emotional care that um, any partner may receive or need following, especially like in regards to like general sex or sexual experiences or even like any form of intimacy, but it is especially important in kink, especially because kink does come with like certain risks. So like Aftercare can be anywhere from, like, physical needs, so, like, an ice pack or, like, blankets or a favorite foods or something like that that can be used, especially after being potentially, like, Mm -hmm. flogged all night or something like that, (laughs) you know? Like, um, being able to tend to our needs, because it, 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 again, is a very, like, physically and emotionally intense process, um, which can be super great, but also, um, we we need to take care of ourselves afterwards, um, and emotional support as well, even if we may not have, like, a romantic relationship, quote-unquote, with the person we're engaging in, there is that still level of, like, emotional, like, check-ins and, like, how did that feel? Mm-hmm. Is there anything I could do for you? Like, yeah. That's another thing, like, I feel like a lot of people don't. First of all, they like, people who are, like, you know, quote-unquote, like, doing, a sec- like, a normal sexual script don't really think about aftercare, which can be, of course, beneficial for yeah. any sexual play, like you mentioned. But I think when we also think of aftercare, we're thinking of the physical aspects, like yeah. you said before. Like, yeah. that's what we're thinking of, which, of course, is super important. But like Mia said, like, the emotional aftercare and checking in with folks can be just as important, if not more important. Yeah. Especially when engaging in, in you know, risky play or play that makes you feel a little bit more vulnerable. Yeah. Um, but also, like, we can use this in, in every aspect of our sexual mm-hmm. life. So, like, aftercare. And if we're not engaging in aftercare, even if we're not engaging in kink play, like, talk about that with your partner. Exactly. In- incorporate those elements because not only is it, you know, powerful and helpful after to, you know, feel better, to feel you know, connected and, and right, yeah. like, your voice is heard, I think it can also be really beneficial 
to hear it from your partner. Yeah. Because you can use this aftercare, when, especially if you're focusing on, like, emotions and how you felt and what you liked and what you didn't like. Um, or maybe it was a negative experience and, like, this is why it was a negative experience and this is how we can make it better next time. Like, talking about that in any sexual experience could be really great because then you can use that that for later yeah. you can use it for next time so if Growth, you got right like say. you got really good feedback you can keep that in mind for the next time you're engaging mm-hmm. in that play or keep it in mind for other types of play or potentially other partners because at the end of the day like it's just like a check-in so it's yeah. good to like remember that and like you know it's not like if you have like a negative experience it's not that you're you know trying to tell your partner that you didn't have a good time and you didn't like it but we can kind of use it to build our partners up and to give them different tips and tricks to like how to you know make ourselves feel better make our partners feel better and it can just yeah be be seen as growth and like how we can give our partner more pleasure rather than like kind of taking it as a dig yeah so and the, the last thing I'll say on aftercare too is there's this weird like implication that only like the quote-unquote like submissive or the person receiving like the actions like needs aftercare but really like it's it's an emotionally taxing process for everyone involved so like we just like to remind everyone that like everyone potentially could benefit from aftercare so having that check-in conversation like Kai beautifully explained like (laughs) everyone could really um use it to grow together and individually yeah absolutely so That's all we have for you today. In this episode, we talked about Halloween, its relationship to our sex lives, Halloween costumes, and its relevant, its relation to slut shaming, um, spicing up our sex lives with kink, and then also bondage, talking about BDSM, and aftercare, of course. Be safe. Yeah, have a safe Halloween, and we will see you soon. Bye. Bye.